My name is Rick Renner, and I'm seated on a cliff just above the Dead Sea. And when I look at the Dead Sea, I think of the judgment of God which came on Sodom and Gomorrah because those cities once were right there until they suffered the judgment of God. We read that story in Genesis 18 and 19. In Genesis 18, three visitors came to Abraham. Two of them were angels, and one of them was the Lord. And the Lord began to speak to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, the reason we've come is because we've heard the cry of sin coming from Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cry of it is so grievous, it's almost difficult to believe sin could be that great. So we've come to make an inspection. And the Bible says the two angels went down into the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah to check it out. And Abraham drew near to the Lord. And the reason he drew near to the Lord is because Abraham knew there was going to be a serious problem. His nephew Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he knew that Lot potentially would be judged with Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham began to intercede on behalf of his nephew. And while this was taking place, the angels showed up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what the Bible tells us in Genesis 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom and Gomorrah at evening. And listen to this. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now you might just skim right over that and not realize how significant it is. Only powerful public officials sat in the gate of the city. That means Lot was not just a resident, not just a simple person living in Sodom. He was a public official. He had the endorsement of the citizens. This tells us how low Lot had sunk. He was a righteous man, but he was not living very righteously. Peter tells us about this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, he calls Lot a just man, the Greek word which means a righteous man, and says that he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That word vexed describes one who's become so exhausted that he finally just throws in the towel, surrenders, and says, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. And in some way, Lot had become a participant in the lifestyle and the activities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that is why Abraham began to intercede for him. He knew Lot was in trouble. Maybe you know someone who is in trouble. You can make a difference for them by drawing near to the Lord like Abraham did for Lot. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Hey, this is Rick Renner, and I'm so glad you've joined me. As I told you in the introduction to today's program, today we're going to be looking at what happened when the angels showed up in Sodom. And you're going to find out that Lot was really a messed up believer. Do you need believers that are messed up? They've just made so many wrong decisions until now. They're doing things that are just unthinkable for a Christian. Or maybe you have a child or a grandchild that's making really tragic mistakes, or maybe you're looking at your spouse and privately thinking, what in the world are you thinking? What are you doing? How can you think this way? If you keep going in this direction, you're going to lead us into trouble. Well, rather than just wring your hands and say, I don't know what to do about them, there's something you can do. You can draw near to the Lord and intercede, and your intercession can snatch them 
out of trouble. That's what I'm going to be showing you in the program today and in the next two programs. By the way, I'm speaking to you from my series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. I think we all know someone who is in trouble in some way. They might be in trouble in their finances. They might be in trouble in their relationships. There's just so many different kinds of trouble. You can do something for people who are in trouble. You can intercede for them. How do you do that? Do your prayers really matter? That's what I want to show you in this series. It's five parts. It comes in multiple formats with a great study guide. Also, we're offering you right now Denise's little book, which is just powerful, but it's called The Gift of Forgiveness. I love this book, and from time to time I read it because it refreshes me on the forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness that's been given to me, and I want to encourage you to get it. It'd be great for you. It'd be a great gift to give to somebody else who's struggling with shame or struggling with issues of forgiveness. It's just a wonderful gift. And now we're going to jump right into our scripture. So grab your Bible, get something to drink. And let's open our Bibles together to the book of Genesis chapter 18. And when we come to the book of Genesis, we find that the angels have come to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. And they've revealed to Abraham that they're going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where we're going to pick up today in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So these angels have come for one purpose. They haven't come just to have lunch with Abraham. They've been dispatched to go to Sodom and to make an investigation of the city. That's why they came. Now the Lord also came. The Lord stays with Abraham. But the two men, really who are two angels, they are dispatched. And verse 7 says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I'm going to do? Verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I will know it. I told you in the previous program, I want to tell you again, there are two cries which reach the ears of heaven. First of all, we find this in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, that when the cry of sin is grievous, it reaches the ears of heaven. God can hear the cry of grievous sin. We also find from Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, when the people of Israel in Egypt were suffering and they began to cry, God heard their cry. And in fact, what God heard was so great, it caused God to come down. In both of these cases, we find God responds to these two different cries. He responds to the cry of great grievous sin, and God responds to the cry of faith from the hearts of his people. Heaven can hear sin, and heaven can hear the prayers of faith. That's what the Bible says. But when we look at this verse, verse 7 says, I will go down now, I'm sorry, verse 21, I will go down now and see whether or not they've done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I'll know it. I would paraphrase it like this. It's hard to believe sin could be as bad as what we have heard, but the cry of it is so grievous, we've had to come inspect this ourselves. We have to see with our own eyes, is it really as bad as it sounds. And verse 22 says, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. These are the two angelic investigators. Now they've been dispatched and they're headed toward Sodom. 
But the Bible says Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So now the angels have been dispatched and Abraham is standing there on the brink of the hill with the Lord and in the valley below him is Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities of the plain. And the angels are now moving down the hill on their way to make their inspection of the city. And Abraham knows his family is in trouble because Lot, his wife, his sons, his daughters, his sons-in-laws, they're all in the city of Sodom. And Abraham knows, wow, they're going to go up in flames with the rest of the city. So he stands before the Lord. And the Bible tells us in verse 23, and Abraham drew near. When you know someone is in trouble, that is not the moment just to wring your hands and say, my, my, what's going to happen? That's time for you to take action. And we see in Abraham what we need to do. If you know someone who is in trouble, that's time to draw near to the Lord. You need to come right to the Lord and get very bold, very frank. We saw in the previous program, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace. That word boldly, the Greek word parise, which means to be frank, to be bold, to be blunt. Get really blunt with God and you will find help in the time of need. Well, if you know someone who is in trouble, that's a time of need. That's a time for you to draw near and get real honest with God and real fast. And that's what we find in the case of Abraham. Let's read again what Abraham says, beginning verse 24. Abraham says, Peradventure there will be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Then listen to verse 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous shall be as the wicked. That be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Verse 26, And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within this city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Verse 27, And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust. And then he said, Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And the Lord said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. Verse 29, And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. Verse 30, And he said unto him, O let the, not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again. Peradventure there shall be thirty found there. He said, I will not destroy it if I find thirty. Verse 31, And behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord again. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And finally in verse 32, he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once or one last time. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Well, that's really where Abraham wanted to get to start with because he knew there were ten members of Lot's family living in the city. But it's likely that Abraham didn't know how bold he could be because this is the first time intercession like this had ever been made. There's no other record of it. So Abraham is testing the waters to see how bold he can be with God. But when we look at verse 33, we see how God responded to this. It says, and the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. God was not offended by this boldness. God said, I like this. God called it communion. He was communing with Abraham. God likes it when we're bold upfront, direct, even blunt, not wasting any words. It does not offend the Lord. The Bible calls it communion. And the Bible says that when the Lord went his way, 
Abraham returned to his place, or Abraham knew he had sealed the safety of Lot and his family, and he went home and went to bed and didn't worry anymore about it because he knew he had a guarantee from the Lord. That's the peace you can get when you pray for people who are in trouble. You don't have to worry and lose sleep. Pray. Seal their deal in prayer. Seal their safety in prayer, and then go to bed and sleep fine. God is going to respond to your prayers just like he did to Abraham. But wait, look what the Bible tells us next in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1. Finally, the angels arrive at Sodom. They've been dispatched. They're going down the hill. By the time that Abraham is finished sealing their security in prayer, the angels show up in Sodom. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. Now, previous to this, they were called two men. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly these were angels. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. It's very important because only public officials sat in the gate of Sodom. This tells us how low Lot had sunk morally. He was an elected official, probably. That's what some scholars say, and it seems that that is the case. In some way, he was a public person in the city of Sodom. The city fathers sat in the gate of the city, and here Lot is seated among them. Well, for him to be a public official means he has to be approved by the people of Sodom, and the people of Sodom are twisted. They are perverted. They are demented. This is a dark, dark city, and they have approved Lot, which means there must be something in Lot's behavior that they approve of. Lot had really become one of them. To what extent, we don't know, but he was such one of them that he was sitting as one of the city fathers in the gate of the city. Lot, seeing the angels, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And the angels answered and said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Well, in the first place, Lot was being hospitable. Of course, that was a good thing to do. But the truth is, he wasn't just trying to be hospitable. He did not want the angels to abide in the streets all night. Why? Because he knew at night the city came alive. And when the city came alive at night, the streets were swarming with all kinds of sexual activity. This was Sodom, and it was filled with Sodomites, all kinds of homosexual behavior and all kinds of perverse sexual activity. And the city literally swarmed with it, especially at night. And Lot did not want these angels walking around the city at night, seeing what was taking place in the city. He wanted to protect the angels, and he also wanted to protect the city of Sodom. Because he knew if the angels saw this, they indeed would judge the city. So he said, please come into my house, stay with me all night. Then in the morning you can get up and go. And the angels said, no, we didn't come here to have a party. We came here to do a job. We're going to abide in the streets all night. We came to make an investigation and that's what we're going to do. But verse 3 says that Lot pressed upon them greatly or he pleaded with them and begged them, please come into my house. Please come into my house. And they turned in unto him and he, they entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. Look at verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. The Bible says the men of Sodom. These were Sodomites. And you guessed it. This is where we get the term for sodomy. 
that comes from Sodom and Gomorrah. These were Sodomites. These were people involved in the act of sodomy and homosexual activity and all kinds of perverse sexual activities. And the Bible says that these sodomites came from every single quarter of the city, both young and old. That phrase is very important because it tells us it wasn't just the adults who were given to sexual perversion. Sexual perversion had so defiled the entire city of Sodom, even young boys were involved. Everyone, young and old. And they came from every corner of the city to Lot's house and completely compassed his house round about. That is amazing. And the Bible tells us in verse 5, They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. They said, Where are the men? Well, this word men refers to the angels. It tells us these angels must have been very good-looking men. Of course, they're angels. They'd be very good-looking. All the men of Sodom wanted them. And when they said, Bring us out to us that we may know them, it means sexually that we may know them, or this really was a threat of gang rape. All the men of Sodom, lust was so out of control in Sodom, everyone in Sodom was talking. There's two new men in town. No one has known them yet. Both the old people, the young people, people of every age from every quarter of the city, they're all surrounding Lot's house because there's two new candidates in town that no one's ever experienced and everybody wants them. That is how perverse Sodom was. And in verse 6, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And listen to what Lot said to the Sodomites in verse 7. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Lot called them brethren. Lot was a righteous man. Lot was a man who had walked in faith. Lot was a man who had walked in faith with Uncle Abraham. He had built altars to God. He knew the protective hand of God. He knew the financial blessing of God. He knew what it was to walk in faith. But now he is so deviated from the walk that he previously knew. Now he's really in spiritual trouble. He is so calloused. He is so blended in to the atmosphere of Sodom that when he stands in front of the Sodomites that are wanting to rape two angels, he calls them Brethren, would you call them brethren? He says, brothers. That is how much he had become a part of them. And he said, do not so wickedly. So he knows that raping these angels is a wicked act. But notice what he suggests in the following verse. Verse 8, behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now we find that Lot has become reprobate. He's a just man. The Bible calls him a righteous man twice in 2 Peter chapter 2. He's just, he's righteous, but he has so defiled his conscience, he's not thinking righteously, he's not behaving righteously, he's not behaving like a just man. His brain is messed up. He has seared his conscience until he's lost the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. He says, on one hand, it's wrong to rape these angels. On the other hand, I have two daughters that have never known men. It's okay for you to rape them. Let me give you my daughters. Do to them whatever you want to do. But hey, don't touch these men. That would be wicked. The whole thing is wicked that he's become reprobate. What does the word reprobate mean? It's a Greek word, adikimos. It means rejected. 
It describes a brain which was created to be brilliant, but now it's become affected. It's flawed. It's now become a mind that is no longer normal. It's not functioning the way that it was intended to function. When a person sears his conscience over and over and over, he begins to lose a sense of what is right and what is wrong. He becomes reprobate in some area of his life. And that's what we find in the case of Lot. He became reprobate in his thinking. He thought it was wrong to rape the angels, but it would be all right to rape his daughters. And the Bible says in verse 19, And the Sodomites said, Stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and now he will be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with the men, that is with the angels. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. It was the equivalent of saying, you are going to tell us what is right and wrong? You see, he had lost his moral voice in Sodom. He had become such a sodomite. Now, I'm not saying he was involved in the act of homosexuality or sodomy, but he had so blended into the environment that he had lost his moral voice. He had no pulpit. And now when he's trying to tell the sodomites what is wrong, they say, who are you to be a judge? You're going to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Who are you of all people to tell us what is right and what is wrong? And they became so furious, they threatened to rape Lot. And the Bible tells us in verse 10, and the men, that is the angels, put forth their hand pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door and smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they wearied themselves to find the door. These sodomites are so consumed with lust, even though they have been blinded, they're still fighting, trying to find a way to get into the house, to get Lot and to get these angels. And they were smitten with blindness. Well, the blindness stopped them from getting Lot. The blindness stopped them from getting in the house. But one scholar has noticed, noted that the blindness did something else. Because they were blind, it stopped the Sodomites from escaping the city. So that when the fire of God fell, they would not be able to escape the judgment of God. This was a judgment that would be inescapable for the men of Sodom. And the Bible tells us in verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12, the angels said unto Lot, Hast thou any here besides son-in-law, thy sons, thy daughters? Whatsoever thou hast, bring them out of this place. That's an amazing statement because the Bible says that Lot has sons-in-laws. Sons-in-laws. But wait a minute. He just told us in previous verses he had daughters that had never known men. His daughters are married. He has sons-in-laws. But now we know the sons-in-laws have never known their daughters so the daughters are married to men with whom they've never had a sexual relationship. And scholars say this infers that in Lot's own family were guys who had married his girls who may have been homosexuals. And that's why they had never consummated their marriage. Sin had affected Lot's family. Lot left a life of faith to move to Sodom for comfort and ease. And it ended up taking his entire family down morally. That's what happens when you abandon a life of faith. You may think that you're finding a reprieve. Or you're taking a route that maybe is a little easier. It's better for you to stay in a hard place that is a right place than to abandon your walk of faith to go for comfort and lose everything morally in the end. That is the story of Lot. But Lot was saved because these angels dragged Lot out of the city. 
Lot didn't want to be dragged out. His wife didn't want to leave. None of the family wanted to leave. But the angels forcibly took them by the hand and said, you are leaving this city and dragged them out against their will. They were delivered. They were saved because Abraham had prayed. That's the power you have when you pray. Your prayers can snatch someone from destruction. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Do you know someone who is making wrong choices? Are there people in your life who have walked away from God? What do you do to help someone find their way back to Jesus? In Rick Renner's series, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble, you'll learn what to do when someone you love needs Jesus. Everyone makes mistakes, but what do you do when someone you know or love continues down a path toward destruction? The Bible tells what to do. Pray. In this powerful series, Rick uncovers the principles Abraham followed to pray for his nephew Lot that saved his life and led him out of sin. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, you'll discover how your prayers can shake heaven and be effective for those you love. When you call or go online today, you can also get the companion book, The Gift of Forgiveness. Life's too short to harbor bitterness. That's why forgiveness is a gift you give not only to others, but also to yourself. Forgiveness frees you and others to move on without being encumbered by unfinished business. Available for just $7, the gift of forgiveness will help you step into freedom and move forward with God's plan for your life. Don't miss this special offer, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble, and or the companion book, The Gift of Forgiveness. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Get these two powerful resources today. Call or go online now. I want to say thank you for watching the program today and thank you for all your comments, for all your contacts to let me know this particular series is making a difference for you. I'm trying to take you somewhere new in the Bible. And what I want you to really learn from this series is that God will hear your prayers. Sometimes people who need to be delivered don't even know they need to be delivered. They're so seared in their thinking. They become so reprobate in different areas of their life. They don't even know that they're in trouble. And that's why they need you to pray for them. Maybe it's your daughter or your son. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a grandchild. Could be a friend. Could be somebody at church somebody you really love, and they're just making critically bad decisions. You even wonder, how can they do this? Well, you can help them be delivered by making intercession for them. That's how much power you have. That's all in this new series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. Order your copy today, and be sure to also order Denise's little book called The Gift of Forgiveness. What a great book. But let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you have given us power in prayer and that when we draw near to you and stand before you, we can make a difference for people who are in trouble. And in the name of Jesus, I speak deliverance to that person that is troubled that you are concerned about. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Now, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to continue looking at what happened next how Lot and his family was delivered, and how you can pray to see somebody else delivered too. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, where the word of a king is, there's power. It's true. So let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. 
Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 